0: Thank you, Sinead. Very personal words that underscore the main point of the message in 1 John today beautifully, as well as the gospel itself. This is about the God who shows up in human lives, in human bodies, with emotions and memories and tears and joys. That is the God. Of which we speak. Let's pray. Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Today we are urged by the writer of First John not to trust every spirit that comes our way, but to test the spirits to see whether it is of God or not. Do you feel equipped to test the spirits to see whether something is of God or not? This basically means discerning what is the will of God and what is not. I don't know about you, but anytime you know, someone claims to understand what, what God wants, the skeptic in me rises from the chair. Particularly when God's will seems to include some incredible windfall for the one professing it. You know, like when God's will includes a Learjet for the preacher who's trying to raise money. Oh. The truth is, our post-Christian world for the last... 50 years has become increasingly skeptical of the whole idea that God talks to people and has plans for anyone's life. This is usually because compromised people along the way have used God to justify their own designs on things, right? Well, God told me to do it. Manifest destiny. You know that one. The doctrine that God wanted European Christians to take the land away from Native Americans is a perfect such example. Gee, God's will can be pretty convenient for us, can't it? <laughs> and yet, First John insists there are false spirits, and we must listen for the true spirit, the voice of God. And I, I, and I have to say that our, our gospel text about the commandment to love, the existence of love, the reality of love, provides us no better way to test whether a spirit is true, whether it is of God's spirit, when love is present. But again... What makes us think we can listen to the actual voice of God or sense the presence of God? And even if we can, how can we tell which spirit is which? Do You ever wonder about that? How do I know the will of God and how, how do I know when God shows up? I think we're generally pretty humble about that sort of thing. Well, how can we listen? How can we know which spirit? The answer to both questions is the same because it is John's Point, We can listen to God because God became a human being in Jesus. And God became a human being in Jesus because of love. God became a human being in Jesus so that, Jesus, so that God could have a relationship with us, so that God could communicate with us in terms we could understand as one of us, shouldn't we then expect that God is talking to us, that God is present with us, if if God bothered to become a human being, right? And how can we tell who is speaking, God or some other spirit? Well, it's the same answer. We can tell who is speaking because God became a human being in Jesus the spirit who affirms jesus of nazareth is the real one why think about this because the kind of existence that we call human was deemed worthy of saving by god so god chose to embrace that kind of existence so that human beings living their lives in their human bodies could be saved. Our faith, and this is the main point of 1 John, is centered and anchored and founded upon an embodied word, the incarnation. In Jesus' God has revealed who God is. God is love. You want to know what God is like, what God wants for us? You look at Jesus. You look at Jesus. This is why it's so important to know the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That is one way that you test the spirits. You come to greater knowledge and understanding of who Jesus was and is. You want to know who God is? Look at Jesus. Not complicated. One of the spiritual practices that we are uh, working on uh, cultivating here in our faith community at Mount Carmel is discernment. That's what they're talking about today. Discerning what God's will might be for you and for us. Discernment is not an exact science, of course. We get it wrong a lot because, I don't know about, I don't know about you, but there's just a whole lot of things I just don't see and hear. You know, uh, That's just the way it is in things spiritual and otherwise. We get it wrong a lot, but learning about what it is that God did in the flesh. in Jesus will tell you a lot about what what God is trying to do through you right now. So, that is number one. How how do we test the spirits? How do we know it's God speaking? Learn what is in the Word, starting with the Gospels, which tell us about Jesus. This is where one begins testing the spirits. And this is why Bible studies and courses like uh, GPS... uh, finding your uh, direction in faith and life's story are important. As someone said in the GPS course, you know, anecdotally in our, in our, the richest part of that time was the conversations we had with each other. And one, one uh, participant said, when my grandchild asked me, it was at a family baptism, why do we do baptisms? Um, I didn't have the answer. It's frustrating. Well, many don't feel equipped to answer that question. But by learning God's word together, and isn't that the first part of our mission statement? Learn, live, and share God's word. We can come to understand that only when we are reborn into the body of Jesus Christ a new creation born of flesh and blood, that is our own flesh and blood, only then are we we saved. There's a rebirth. This rebirth is signified and celebrated and claimed in baptism. So that's what's going on there, one attempt. This is also why dwelling in the Word is important learning to listen for God's voice in Jesus. Jesus, we are reminded, is the living word, not just pages printed on a, you know, in a book. We can hear God's living word speak in the very pages of the Bible. So, first of all, it is important to learn about Jesus, who Jesus is, how Jesus speaks. And one of the delights of dwelling in the word together, and I, I know some of you have had this experience, is that often we hear God speaking through what someone else heard when we listen to them and allow them to speak and share what they heard. And I know many times I've, I've kind of said to myself, Oh, I, I, didn't, I didn't hear that. I didn't think of that. That's pretty cool. Which brings me to my second point. As we try to understand what it means for us in our lives right now, we listen to God's word in each other, and we see God's word in each other. Christ, you see, lives in us now. We've been baptized into the body of Christ. This is why it is said that the church of the 21st century century will be born out of conversation. Again, simple word. Members of the body of Christ talking to one another about what God's will is for them, wondering about it. This word is embodied in each other. So you you want to know where God is? Look around. It's why Jesus said, where two or more are gathered... There I am in the midst of them. There's a promise about God's presence in relationships. It's why Luther said, and I'm going to quote this again, the mutual conversation and consolation of the saints, you and me and our neighbor, was vital to Christian community. God shows up in each other in Christian fellowship. The spirit that we believe in is embodied in people. For instance, here's an example. It was curious to me when no one from the apartment building next to my former church in Plymouth ever came over to our church. What's wrong with us? We're convenient. We've got church-going folk over there. What's their problem? Why don't they come over and worship with us? Parkside Apartments were uh, and are a big apartment complex uh, to boot. But it wasn't until a group formed at Mount Olivet that was dedicated to asking questions, and by the way, this is another form of loving one another and loving your neighbor, is actually listening to them. (laughs) So we can understand who they are. It wasn't until this group was dedicated to asking questions, having conversations about what God is calling us to do in the neighborhood, that we discovered what God had in mind for us. You see, as we asked the question, well, why don't they walk over here to our church? What's wrong with us? That we stumbled upon the answer through a demographic survey and also by asking some of them. We found that those apartments were transitional, cheaper than most apartments in in Plymouth. Many residents were single-parent families or working-class folks, and they perceived themselves to be part of a different socioeconomic class or maybe not belonging as single parents or whatever, that they didn't fit at Mount Olivet. In short, they were intimidated to walk over. So this Mount Olivet group, after dwelling in the word and praying together, listening to one another, um, discerned what God wanted them to do. Try to plan some gatherings, some contacts, outside of a worship service. Oh, that's not going to work for now. Where we could get to know them, where the intimidation factor wouldn't be so strong. So, with uh, a few failures along the way, they tried some things. A barbecue, uh, sharing a community garden with them, raising money for them when a fire damaged one of the buildings. It also, by the way, involved events where Parkside hosted some events where we were invited. It wasn't all about us controlling the agenda. Through all of this, we made some friends over there. We built some community with them. Some of them even came over to worship. But that wasn't the main point. The main point wasn't to get new members. It was about going with God into the community in the spirit of love to form relationships and listen to our neighbor and be a living presence, respecting our neighbors for where they were, so to speak. It was the relationships. And none of this would have happened without talking and wondering and letting God show up in each other and speak. So our God speaks through each other. Now I was just talking uh, uh ahead of time with uh with barb and uh and i think we we agreed that you know some of this stuff is kind of is kind of new that's you know wondering and discerning and dwelling and uh reimagining and uh not everybody knows how to do that right and so we we that 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 requires practice and some guidance and uh This is precisely what we will do in the months ahead as we kind of get after this and gather and wonder and imagine. Um, Learning new dance steps, as it were. Third, we discern what God is up to by listening to our neighbors. That was part of the previous point. To the world. Why so? Because, again, this is in the pages of the Bible, God made it clear that in Jesus, in his body, God was identifying with the poor, the marginalized, all who are broken. (laughs) That's kind of all of us again. You know where those people are. Do you? Well, they're all around us. I just had coffee with the former bishop of the ELCA who happens to be married... Uh, to my cousin, so I had an inn, you know, for coffee. Uh, Mark told me about being a bishop in in St. Paul in the 90s and asking all of his committees at the synod level to suspend their normal agendas for one year. Whoa! Is he nuts thinking that he could... Well, they did it. And to embark on a listening campaign. So they had questions to ask of one another and of their neighbors about... Who they were? What mattered to them? What were their struggles in life? How might the church be helpful partners? Through all of this, the St. Paul Synod in the 1990s discerned a vision that came out of these conversations with their neighbors. Pretty cool, huh? All three of these ways of listening to God's voice have one thing in common. We are embodied and listening to God's voice that is embodied in Jesus, in each other, and in our neighbors. So says 1 John. Fourth and final point. It's supposed to be a three-point sermon, right? So I got four. What are you going to do? I've got to change things up. Fourth and finally, we listen to God's voice that is intertwined and enmeshed in our own bodies, in our own stories. In the spring, 22 of you took part in the GPS course that was offered here. And the whole point of that course was learning to listen together to what God's direction is for our lives. And part of that discovery was that the gifts that we have been given in our human existence are clues. Conversation starters between God and each of us about what God is up to in our lives. We learned that this God speaks to us and, it, and is at work in our life stories, including the down points and the low points as well as the up. That God speaks to us in and through the places where we live our lives 24-7, the passions that course through our veins, our bodies, the abilities that come naturally to our bodies, brains, and temperaments. The point is, God shows up in you. In closing, when people around us say, speaking of spirits and spiritual things, well, I'm a spiritual person, or they might say, you know, all religions, all roads lead to God, And then we assume that this is God talking. Well, John would caution us here. This is the reason why. What we confess on Sunday mornings in the Apostles' Creed and other confessions have nothing to do with finding roads to God. The premise is false that we find roads to God. What we believe is that God found a road to us. And it ended in the body and blood of Jesus. The spirit that comes from God that we believe in showed up in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is embodied in Jesus and now in us. Our faith and our beliefs are all about learning to listen to the God who came to us as one of us so that we do not need to find a road to God. God found a road to us. That road appears in God's living word, Jesus, and when two or more are gathered, in our neighbors in whom God is present, and in you. So pay attention, and let's learn to listen together in this important time in the 21st century. Amen.